All right, it is 921 on a morning that is going to be an ugly commute coming out of the uh, Brampton area after uh, police were called in. One person's dead, another seriously injured in what Peel Police Region, uh, Peel Regional Police rather are describing as multiple shootings on Highway 410 in Brampton. Um, the SIU has been called in, so I don't know how much information we're going to get because usually when the SIU is called in, the cops are a little more tight-lipped about what's going on. Matthew Bingley joins us. He's a global reporter. He is on the scene. Matthew, what's the latest on this? Well, at the moment, uh, you, you know, you sort of summed it up really well there. The fact is, as soon as there is some sort of interaction with police and and uh, a suspect, that's when they really start to cramp down on the information that they're able to get out. We were talking with Constable Heather Cannon from the... Uh, Peel Region Police, and she was telling us just how this shooting broke down this morning because it is a little bit murky. We know so far that about 2:20 on uh, 2:20 this morning on 4:10 on the northbound lane between Beauvard and Mayfield, or actually uh, close to the Sandalwood Drive area, is where this initial call came in. Not sure what exactly brought police there, but except they say that there wasn't an actual shooting that they were able to tell us about. They said that they were called to respond to a gunshot victim. Hmm. Now, at this time, this is where it's the details get a little bit more hazy because they say that there was a second vehicle there that was involved in some sort of interaction with them. That first vehicle was where they found two gunshot victims already there. One was uh, a male who was 20 who died at the scene. Another was taken to a nearby trauma center to be treated in serious condition. And then there's, there's that, that second vehicle. Now, just a second ago, uh, my, my videographer and I went over to another neighborhood that's neighboring the 410. This is on Checkerberry Lane, a very populated subdivision. There is an black Audi SUV there that is just riddled with bullets, uh, bullet holes rather. And all the while that we're there, there's a cordon uh, with uh, police around us. But meanwhile, there's people waking up to this scene, trying to go on with their day, including a very large group of school children about to get on the school bus who had to walk right past this uh, shot up Audi uh, and then get on their school bus. So we were having a chance to, to talk to uh, some of the mothers there who were just, you know, trying to explain this to their kids. Of course, they didn't, another neighbor we spoke to uh, didn't really know that anything like this had happened. He went to bed about one o'clock last night, woke up this morning, and there's a car parked right in front of his house with one of the doors open and bullet holes in it. So a lot of people very surprised by this, um, as you would imagine. On the other side of the highway, we were talking with a man who was uh, just in bed last night and and heard a very rapid succession of gunfire and then with a quick pause and then more bullets and then he heard uh, sirens. So the the real question is, uh, well, for one, what was going on at the vehicle that, uh, that led to the first initial shooting and then that second one where the SIU is now involved, where, where there is this interaction with police that we know of. So is the working theory that the shooting may have happened on the Highway 4, 410? Well, that that is where, again, like they're not able to really tell us what led them to that area in the first place. Um, I was, as I mentioned, speaking with the one constable, she's 
very careful with the amount of information she's allowed to get out as soon as that shooting or interaction, as they always call it, with someone else gets involved with police. And that is when the SIU's mandate is invoked and they're not allowed to talk about anything. So uh, the, the details leading up to that, you know, it's, it's just something that we're waiting for an update on. Matthew, I appreciate your time. And it's going to be an interesting afternoon for you trying to get answers to questions when the police have to be tight lipped about it. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Dave Perry joins us right now. He's our C- He's the CEO of Investigative Solutions Network and the 640 Toronto law enforcement expert. Welcome to the show, David. You just heard um, Matthew talking about, you know, the uh, shootings in Brampton. They're not sure if they happen on the 410 and they can't get information now because the uh, SIU has been called in. So the police are being pretty tight lipped about what's going on. But David, we do know that over the weekend there was a, a deadly shooting in um, Malton, there were several victims. One is a twelve, a grade 12 student that died. His name was Jonathan Davis. And uh, apparently they feel that the shooting was motivated by um, a rap video that, that basically had called people out and they were about to shoot another rap video or they were in the process of shooting it at the rental complex when this happened. Um, we know shootings can lead to retaliation. Any chance that these two stories are connected? I think there's a high likelihood that these shootings are connected. And what you saw on the 410 highway was exactly that. It was a retaliation shooting. So your guess is is targeted? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, what happened uh, over the weekend was, was nothing less than horrific. I mean, the gangs have taken over the streets. And, uh, you know, the fact that seven people conspired and got together, all armed, heavily armed, and fired over 100 shots into a public area, and with no regard for anybody, including children who were struck, uh, is is absolutely horrifying. And of course, just brings us back to the the level of the violence that we're starting to see in not just in Toronto, but in the 905 area and, and others as well. Yeah, it was an it was a normal uh, end of summer day. There was an ice cream truck, and cops are looking for the person that was in the ice cream truck because it drove away when it heard the barrage of bullets. I just want to uh, play the audio from someone was up in one of the apartments, and they said that the uh, shooting went on for what felt like 12 minutes or so. Now, David, we're no strangers to those noises, but usually we're getting them on a uh, global news story about somewhere overseas where there is a war zone. Exactly. And so yeah, now we're hearing it exactly in Malton. Sounds like, yeah. Sounds like a war zone. And, you know, to hear that kind of gunfire is absolutely horrifying to me. And I can only imagine to the pe- poor people that were in that area and trapped in that park and, and had to, to run for cover and see all over there. Neighbors and their family members, you know, perhaps being uh, being shot. The uh, fact one, that over, I'm, yeah, I'm go- over 100 shell casings, seven people. They, they've either either had uh, firearms that had over capacity magazines in them, or they were they were reloading. And either one of those scenarios is quite frightening. Right, and the fact that they appeared on foot is also uh, unnerving because it, it speaks to the fact that they're probably from that neighborhood. Well, they're either from that neighborhood or, you know, they had a, a vehicle or vehicle stashed somewhere close. Mm. And, and to get in undetected, they, they uh, it would appear that they snuck up, from what I'm hearing, along the side of the apartment where they were out of view from most people. So 
this was a targeted shooting. This was planned. This was, uh, you know, just as brazen as it can possibly get. It is just absolutely frightening what's happening out there now. It's a wake-up call for the suburbs. You know, people feel like they're safe in the 905. Not so much. Not so much. Uh, I live in the 905, and uh, I can tell you right now I'm on high alert all the time because it's everywhere. I see gangsters everywhere I go. I see people that I know are carrying firearms. And I see people that I know would uh, resort to those firearms if there was a conflict with me or anybody else in the area. So that's just the the new world that we're living under, and and, uh, it's out of control. What happened on the 410 is still going to be a bit of a mystery because, as always, when the SIU takes over, we hear nothing as the public, and I I think that's wrong. They shut down the scene, they shut down the police, and we're all left to wonder why school children have to walk by a a bullet-riddled car with no answers and it's so slow if it ever comes out from the SIU and and I'm sorry if I'm always highly critical of their their lack of response to the community in terms of getting information out but we we may not hear for quite some time if ever exactly what happened all we know is there was you know obviously another shooting probably related to the the shooting that happened and uh, there was a police interaction and these officers obviously were placed in a position where their lives were at risk and probably returned gunfire and uh, and we won't hear anything for days, weeks or months. Yeah, we won't even know if uh, this shooting, if the people that were involved in this shooting, if any of them were involved in that shooting in Malton, if any of them were part of the seven that the cops are looking for. Yeah, and here's the thing. I've been to many of these scenes and listen, it doesn't take, uh, it doesn't take days and months and weeks to find out information that the public should have. And I'm just saying it. That's one of my frustrations with the SIU is they work under a cloak of secrecy and behind closed doors. They rarely interact with the media or the public, and they rarely give out information until the end where they might say something like, there's no no sufficient evidence to lay a charge against the officers involved. And I, it's always a part of their work that has, to me, been been rather problematic they should come out and tell the public what happened and what they know at this time, even if they have to change that, you know, give us the answers and, and the evidence why they had to change it, but they should be talking to the public. This is a, such a horrific event, uh, you know, people driving down highways, and we're hearing this every day now, you know, you're not even safe on the highways anymore. The, you know, these gangsters are chasing each other. Can't think of a, of a more high-risk situation to the public than these two events, and, and if you combine them as perhaps related to have you know people in a park in a peaceful event and and uh, seven people open fire, and then within hours you've got another event where it would appear people are driving along a major highway and, and exchanging gunfire. You've got bullet riddled cars. You've got police officers responding who are now their lives are in danger. And uh, you know there's some information I heard about perhaps vehicles being to- driven towards those officers, which would make them completely justified to use whatever force necessary to stop that, including firearms. And it's, there are bullets flying everywhere. It's absolutely disgusting what's happening in, in our cities. David, you know, you brought up cities. We're hearing a lot about, about policing in Toronto with all the uh, gun violence as of late, but uh, this is happening in Peel. Do we need a regional plan? We need a federal plan, <clears throat> but certainly, you know, when you have a federal plan, it, it spills down to the to the municipalities and it expands to the regions and you know i can tell you right now there are everybody knows this i'm not giving away any secrets there are there are regional plans there there are regional task forces that have been put together and have been working for many years to try and curb this violence and that's going to continue so it just it just needs an awful lot more uh, more resources and 
and more uh, focused effort and, quite frankly, more more support from the public. Uh, and one of the things that we are starting to see is this violence is spiking over the last number of years is that we're hearing from a lot more community members who are truly begging for the police to come back into the neighbourhoods and help them. And that's that's very, both sad, but it's also very telling that we should be listening to our communities and, uh, you know, making sure that we're supporting our police and, and getting in there because, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen, but I seem to be sometimes the only person that ever says it, enforcement and some, you know, some very aggressive enforcement, lawful aggressive enforcement against gangs by our police officers, fully supported by our politicians and our communities is, is the only thing that's going to start to turn this, this spike in the other direction. I, I imagine that if you ask the people that were in that high-rise complex in Malton, um, you know, what they'd like to see happen, they'd be all for enforcement as well today. David, I appreciate uh, your time today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime. Cheers. That's David Perry. He is the CEO of Investigative Solutions Network and 640 Toronto law enforcement expert.